Welcome to episode 8 of Australian Design Radio to provide Australia and the world with conversations and commentary on Australian design. I'm Flynn Tracy and with me in the studio is Mr. Matt Leach. Hello, Matt. Hello. I'm actually sat right next to you. Back again. It's weird in our weird little hot sound hole. Can I call it that? Oh, my God. Back in Sydney and, uh, you know, we've been all over the place recently. It's nice to be back home. Yeah. Humid sweat box. <laughs> just, just to be in one city for a little while, I think. Um, nice to see the, the kids and my lovely wife, and just in case they're listening. Here we are. And who have we got with us? Well, our guest this week is Amy Shepherd, who's actually down in Melbourne um, and has recently taken over as Digital Creative Director of Australia Post. Amy, as you'll hear from her accent, has actually only been in Australia for about two years, working for Deloitte, and she previously hailed from New York, working for companies such as Johnson & Johnson for about four years, and before that, uh, about another four years with Weight Watchers. In between all that, she's done some pretty senior consulting for people like Ogilvy One and Hewlett Packard, and well, Amy, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Um, and is that right? Did Matt get everything right that time, or is there? Are you checking up on me? Yeah. <laughs> Any anything yeah. else you'd like to add, Amy? Um, I think just a few things, which is that in between working for Weight Watchers and Johnson and Johnson, I went off to graduate school at Art Center College of Design out in Los Angeles and Pasadena, mm. and did three years there, uh, really studying media design. And then I guess before that, kind of just started my career in Philly and then moving to New York and the dot-com boom. So when you went back to school, were you still working then or did you stop working? No, I stopped. Um, I, I left my job at Weight Watchers and went back full-time. And I don't even know how anybody could have possibly held down a job while I was in graduate school. So, yeah, it was full-time effort on thesis work and coursework, et cetera. And so what happened there to make you decide that you needed to go back to school? Well, you know, I had been working in the dot-com you know, space, really doing digital, um, starting from 1998 till around 2004 and you know just kind of wanted it to change a little bit change my direction wanted to do something more and wanted to just be a better designer and sometimes when you're working it's really hard to kind of pursue different areas and you know work is so intense and also you kind of tend to build up a body of work in one direction and then maybe making that shift even though you might know you've got the skills to do it your work history kind of brings people towards a comfortable place of hiring you in one space, let's say digital, but not necessarily to do branding. And I kind of wanted change. And so all of those things, um, you know, coupled together, I just started to realize that graduate school seemed really enticing. And, um, and then I just started to apply to graduate school. And, and that's why I left. And it, it really changed my life. I, everything I'm doing now, I wouldn't be doing if I hadn't gone there. Uh, it's a big move to walk away from regular pay. And I imagine at that time, you'd been a few years in the business and you are getting a pretty decent wage. Totally. My father thought I was crazy. Uh, <laughs> Fathers generally think people are crazy. Yeah, they also, he also thought I was crazy, uh, also taking my recent job, given that I was pregnant when I, when I accepted to go to a new, new place. But I think, um, you know, it, it just was such a life-changing experience in terms of just you know, my skill set, my ability to talk about design, um, my ability to understand how design functions across media, uh, the network of people that I met, uh, you know, in, in terms actually 
how I ended up with my job in Australia has to do with the fact that I had a network from my graduate program, uh, which then helped connect me to the person leading design thinking at Deloitte. Um, just, you know, from so many different ways, it really helped me grow. And then ultimately is what led me to work for Johnson and Johnson, um, and build out, you know, and a team there with my creative director who I reported to, who used to be my advisor out in the grad program. So just so many fascinating, but it was a, it was a big deal, but I was ready for it. And I, and I needed I had tried to kind of shift it while working, and I, I, I wasn't getting the traction that I needed. And so I, I decided to kind of pursue this other direction. Now, it's probably worth going into a little bit more detail about why and how we contacted you. Um, as you might have guessed, for all our listeners out there, Amy's obviously client-side. Uh, so we'd received quite a few questions from listeners asking if we could talk about what or or how an in-house designer works and, and get a bit of a take on, mm-hmm. on what it's like and, and why it's not discussed as potentially as much as it should be. Yeah, um, so one of the more recent ones that um, kind of led us down this path and ultimately <laughs> here um, with you, Amy, is uh, an email from Shirley where she said, um, I was wondering if there's anyone you guys know, we can now unequivocally say that yes we know one person um, that works in corporate Um, as an in-house graphic designer uh, I believe it's called corporate creative not sure Um, I'm still studying and I'd love to hear from someone who is already working or worked like that I've been looking into books and trying to learn as much as I can about it but firstly Amy is that the right term for you I mean I think Shirley called you a corporate creative but it's also called client side or in-house is is that how you see yourself um, it's so funny. I just think of myself as a designer and I think of, um, the studio, the team here as a design studio and we are, our, our client is Australia Post and our clients are all the people in, you know, who are working on trying to figure out how to, you know, bring in, and change the business and we're helping them do that by using design. So I think it depends though on what kind of design studio you're working for. Hmm. Um, you know, I think, you know, people typically talk about, you know, agency side, client side. And I do think, you know, there's a little bit of nuances that happen with both, but I also think it depends on what exactly you're you're doing on client side and what kind of group that you're part of as well, because there's so many different types of that, of, of what exists there. So the groups that I've always been part of that are client side have tended to be kind of set up to bring design into the company as a competitive advantage to help drive innovation and drive change. Um, and so usually, and also and be design and, and bring that kind of design expertise and leadership in-house. It doesn't mean that we don't still use studios and we don't still use agencies. It's just that we're more of um, a, an expert and can help support our marketing and our business teams and picking the best agencies to work with when we need to. I mean, this is pure design thinking, isn't it? Yeah, I guess it's it depends. You know, we do both. We do create. We're definitely makers. We're designing things. But we also, you know, we, you know, sometimes you just need heavy lifting. And, and I think that's where... Um, or you just need a dedicated team who you, who's really, you know, an expert in, in, you know, environmental design, or you need an expert in, um, you know, culture change. And I think, you know, you, we, you know, when you're, when you're working inside, you can help your, your person find those 
agencies that are doing really great work because um, you don't always want to you don't always want to take it on yourself. So I think it's about looking at um, so to answer your question around you know what do I call myself? I think ultimately we're still doing design, but then we're also there to help um, you know others or figure out how to scale when needed, right? So it's more about intellectual property. So I see us as really the master architect of the kind of design solution that we're bringing to our customer, and then we then build that network and help guide on who that network of studios can, that we work with to make sure that we are having a, a you know seamless and creative and um, consistent experience that we can bring to our customers. Does that does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, yeah, there's there's no doubt that you'd have such a keen um, foresight into kind of the business goals and the business, you know. It's kind of big picture stuff. Yeah. 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 So when you're dealing, yeah, so when you're dealing with, I'm really interested into um, hearing about what it's like to work with, what it's like to work with agencies. Um, like what, what's the relationship that you might work with a digital agency or an advertising agency or, or one of these third parties when they're working on your brand? Like is there a little bit of a... Um, maternal instinct with the with the brand um do you end up having really long-term relationships or just getting people to do short-term things what what, what's that whole world like oh it's so so interesting that you asked it's um you know i think it depends i think there i view design as a collaborative process and and so i'm my i think half the time what what you know what what's hard for agencies is they when they're when they're brief they're not they don't have the whole picture or they're asked to solve everything, you know, from the ground up when, mm-hmm. when really there's a whole bunch of great knowledge and, and sharing of, of information. And so, um, you know, in terms of that, I think we all, we always are trying to kind of make sure that we're working collaboratively and, 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 you know, together. I think it depends on how the agency is selected and, and how we, um, kind of engage with them. I think ultimately I'm, as long as the agency is doing a, a bang up job and I think, you know, the best thing an agency can can do is really to think about how they can deliver the most value and really, um, you know, work collaboratively with this. And I think sometimes that throws off some agencies. So it depends, again, you know, on who hires them. Sometimes they're, an agency is hired by someone in marketing and they're hired and then we kind of are, are asked to kind of, we work maybe more alongside of with our marketing partner and evaluating the design and providing that feedback back to the agency. Whereas sometimes we will go out and hire the agency to extend our team. Mm-hmm. And then in that sense, we actually want to work with that agency probably in a more collaborative fashion than they might be used to working mm-hmm. if they were just hired by a non-design client. And not all agencies... Uh, adapt to well to that, but there's some that really do a great job of that, and I think that's just about kind of um, you know how do you work together with them up front and really just build that kind of collaborative team, um, you know, as opposed to you know this idea that I own this design or you own this design, you know, and it's and it's really more how to be collaborative. So I think it just depends on the agency and. I mean, it must be nerve wracking because I mean, I guess in a sense, um, there's there's no wool they can pull. Right. <laughs> because you know what you're talking about. Right. But that's why, that's why I think if you have a, a really good design studio and you bring that into your company, uh, you, you, end up, you can end up with some really amazing output. Like if you look at Target and you look at Apple and you look at BMW and, and you look at the groups that figured out how to really bring that design leadership in, you know, they're doing amazing things. Yeah, great examples. 
but yeah, exactly. It's about, it's about also, we know, we know how it works. I mean, that's interesting because if we think about where you are now with Australia Post, I mean, you've been there a few months now, but you know, what, what does a digital creative director do in a business that I think most people think of as, as pretty analog? Yes, that's a great question. Um, so I think the reason we, I was brought in is that I think when you look at just business in general and digital, digital is, is, is no longer even a channel. It's, it's an umbrella for how, how we can think about working differently, you know, and delivering businesses, you know, delivering core business to customers, right? So, you know, people are interacting with businesses in so many different ways now. There's so many different media, you know, in which you can kind of access a company, uh, it's no longer, you know, the brand experience is no longer an analog channel. And so, and also in terms of tracking and under, if for, especially for Australia Post, you know, they've got a huge shipping network. So they're using data to track where those things are. And so having that ability to then use that network and then share out that information and allow then customers to use digital to shift a package or, or redirect mail, it's just just one more interface or one more way to interact with the company. So I think that really there's been a shift here and within Australia Post to move to a more kind of digital um, and really build that capability internally because the, the touch points with the customer is just growing. I think with somewhere about, you know, 50% of the interaction with Australia Post is coming from the digital um, space. Was that, was and, that 50% Amy? Yeah, wow. I might have to uh, confirm my stats, but that's what I believe is the case at the moment. Yeah, wow. and, and so they said about um, and the new general manager, Steve Maidman, is really head of digital channel and innovation, and they really wanted to bring in design as a capability. And so I've been here um, three months, and we've grown, we're growing the team, and you know we're looking at new redesigning, essentially, how people interact with post in, in the digital space and none of it's really there's just very small little moments of what's been been released it's it's yet to come it's, it's on its way but I think it just shows that there's such a commitment um, to that kind of design thinking and approach to how to essentially deliver a, a, a really great customer experience through and, and through using digital means. Oh, I have so many questions for you. <laughs> it's so interesting. I mean, what a problem to be given. It's amazing. Yeah, and um, and that you, I don't know if you're allowed, uh, able to tell us this anyway. But are there any? Um, we're talking about Australia Post at the moment. Are there any like prime examples overseas? Um, I mean, what what's you know the New York Postal Service like comparative? Not necessarily comparatively, but are there any case studies around um, that kind of you might look at as a team and and sort of. Um, sort of aspire to or draw some inspiration from it, it has someone nailed it is someone five years ahead of everybody else in the world yeah amy is yeah <laughs> other than yourself other than yourself of course uh i guess you know it's funny because australia post is quite different than let's say the united states postal service right um in the terms like that it has so much more that it offers in you know travel insurance and car insurance and currency exchange and but um you know, so I I don't know if I can draw a comparison there in, ter- in terms of who gets it right. Sure. Um, and the re I can say that the Australia Post retail experience is considerably better than the United States Post Office experience. Right. <laughs> generally, um, but I think you know really when we are looking at inspiration, we're looking at you know people who are really just building businesses that are just thriving like Uber 
and Airbnb yeah. and just how people are, are really building services that are filling a need and, and are doing it in a really innovative way in digital. And, and I think that's gen, you know, generally where we're looking, you know, because we, we're a little bit different than let's say just a FedEx or DHL, you know, which, which is just, you know, has a pure kind of shipping, you know, approach and a, and a niche. We've got other ways and, and other responsibilities yep. to kind of deliver a variety of services. So that's kind of where we get our inspiration from. It's it's funny, you know, because it's I wasn't even aware of some of those things that Australian Post are actually doing. And I guess I guess growing up with Australia Post, uh, I've seen the retail parts of it really start to expand so much that they were offering. There's a lot of stuff in those stores now. Yeah, I mean, I think I think if you look at you know. It, Australia Post in terms of its, you know, community kind of service approach and, and the fact that it is a kind of a trusted brand and, and, and has ways of dealing with identity. There's a lot of, of opportunity for Australia Post to, to be a service across, you know, more than just getting you your letters. So I think when we talk about, you know, how can we innovate and what, what, what or how do we bring all these things together you know, those are the things that you know the execs or our team, executive team is looking at, and um, and I think what we're what I'm finding is that while we are digital and we're a digital creative team, we are still ultimately looking at building that kind of full experience of how, and, and we're influencing in a way also that experience of how things come together. You know, we might be solving it first, you know, and thinking about how somebody is going to interact with it you know, in the digital space, but yet it's really about how things just fit together in terms of what makes sense and how we then work with brand and how we work with the customer experience team. And so it's really fascinating to just look at, um, you know, also how the power of design and, and its ability to influence within an organization. So, yeah, that's, that leads me to my next question, which is perfect. Um, halfway there, you said experience. So, um, talk of the town, particularly in Australia for the last couple of years, has been user experience. Um, I was wondering um, how user experience um, plays, a, plays a role in, um, in somewhere like Australia Post. Like, is that something that um, the design, does that fall under your umbrella as the, kind of the design team? Or do you have specific UX teams? Do you have people working kind of offline as well as online? Or what's, what's the discussion around UX? Uh, so it's such an interesting question. Um, I think fundamentally design is user experience. I don't think they're separate as an activity. Uh, uh, you know, we, we, we've actually been using the term product design because yep. essentially we're designing products, we're designing applications. And inherently, you know, if you think back to the industrial design age, a product designer would design a chair and you, you didn't have one person who would design the form and another person would come in and decide what color it would be. It was the one person who designed the entire form and function kind of experience. So I, I, you know, I'm a big proponent that that's one and the same, but I do recognize that there's different capabilities and skills, right, that, that come into that. So, you know, having UX specialists who, who truly understand how the human brain works in terms of, you know, interpreting information are part of our team. And then we also have, um, a, you know, and they also lead research as well for us in testing and helping validate, you know, our hunches and our designs to get that kind of real-time feedback in. And then we also have a customer experience team, which sits actually in marketing, which is really looking at those bigger kind of strategic customer experiences 
Um, and then we're highly, highly connected with them and we work collaboratively together. Whereas, you know, we're still tending to focus the moment still in designing the digital kind of experiences is very much connected to the bigger kind of experience that we're bringing to our customers. Does that answer? Yeah, absolutely. And I imagine you'd have a lot of very interesting data to play with as well. Yeah, it's actually been really great. I, I think one of the things I love about working here is just the commitment to really looking at the customer and, and co the commitment to testing ideas and testing concepts and running quick labs. And, you know, oftentimes people say that they want to do that, but then don't actually build in the time or the team to support it. And, and it's definitely happening here, which is really cool. The Australian, I mean, the Australian Post brand is just so strong though, because, you know, with that red and the white and and I, I really think about my childhood um, growing up in a coastal town, not much branding around, but, you know, there was always the, the red and white boxes and um, where you put the post in and obviously the vans that drove around and it was always quite quite prominent on there. I mean, and then I guess I was kind of a, a little bit of a stamp collector. I did also have you a stamp did, collection. You did. See, I knew you did and I was just, I was, I was trying to get you to break there. Didn't I was take long this time. To say. <laughs> But, you know, I think we all were and that, you know, it was a bit of a gateway for us, uh, you know, stamp collecting, but also the brand that, you know, the idea of how strong a brand could be. Nice. So picking up on that kind of idea of iconically Australian and all that kind of thing, we've actually got a question from you that was left from the previous guest we had on. So Chris's question from last week was, what do you see as distinctively Australian when it comes to design? Oh, it's, it's such a tough question for, tough. for a New Yorker maybe, but, um, but potentially you're the perfect person to answer that because, well, especially working for the Australian-centric Australian Post, I guess, but also what you saw from the outside before you came to Australia. Over to me. So... <laughs> Um, so, you know, it's interesting. Definitely there's a difference. Uh, I think I've seen it kind of bubble up in different ways. And, and I think that in some, and in some ways there's no difference at all. But I ended up having an opportunity when I was working for Deloitte to travel to all the major cities in Australia. And that actually really helped me kind of see this theme of architecture, this Australian architecture. Um, by visiting the different cities and you kind of could see in the airport design or in the city design, you know, it just started to, fe it started to feel uniquely Australian. And, and it could also, you know, obviously there's the, the older buildings, but then there's the newer kind of designs. And, and it feels quite modern in a way. And, and I, don't, I can't describe it much beyond that other than it is a, it is a unique aesthetic that feels uniquely Australian um, that I kind of watched. And then Really, then, when it comes down to kind of other, you know, experiences, you know, with living in Melbourne and in Sydney and kind of going into different retail stores, there's this, I feel like, an element of craft that finds its way or is really valued here. Um, and I think that also goes, goes and, I, and I was reading some articles around it as well, which is it's not so always so much about showy. So the way that you might show something is in the craft in, in how well it's made or in the detail that it has been embedded into into that and, and a little bit sometimes this combination of this rusticness yeah. to um to that sexiness there's a little bit of always a little bit kind of more edge in that sense and i think again that kind of you know if you think about the the united states kind of you know thing where it's a little bit more showy 
in the in the in the states, and I think it's perhaps a little bit more about playing things down so that the design finds its way out in other ways. That would be the kind of the the way that I've seen themes emerge from, in how I understand it. And I, it's also interesting. I was just thinking too that there is something about things sometimes tend to just be better connected and work better here. And I don't know if that's because it, you know the, there's more care to infrastructure or there's more or some of the things are, are newer. Um, but I noticed that too in some of like you know things being designed with like lights turning on and off more easily and you know kind of um, just the whole kind of infrastructure on even highways. It's it's. It's a little bit more des- well designed here in Australia than it is in the States. Wow, to hear us described as being better designed in the States. Tell us more about that. Yeah, I don't know, but it, it's, it's a more pleasant driving experience over here. <laughs> so we, we, we do a lot of driving in Australia, but I, in American, you do a lot of driving as well, don't you? Oh, definitely. It's, I mean, we drive a lot. It's definitely a car culture kind of um, thing, but I think that. Um, the network is older and so it's, you know, it's a little bit more hobbled together. It depends on where you are. You know, if you're in California, it feels a little bit more sleek, but, uh, if you're driving around New York city, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> sometimes you wonder how those highways are held together. Um, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Hey, um, I was thinking, um, because it was a student that asked us this question, I was wondering if you could give us a bit of an insight into, um, some of the places that, that you've worked, so it doesn't have to be specific, but if there's someone listening to the show who's interested in working, uh, I'll have to use it client side using air quotes, um, you know, try, going for a design job, um, how would they go about it? Like if that's, that's the sort of area they were targeting or to frame the question another way, what do you look for when, when hiring a designer? Yeah, well, you know, I think I look for someone who has a good natural, you know, design aesthetic, just kind of has, has the training, knows what, how it knows type and knows how to make something, you know, look good. Um, but really more importantly, I look for people who can think about what it is that they're being asked to do, uh, and not, you know, really question the task and, and really, you know, bring, bring themselves to, to, to think about that and, and also think about the content um, and so honestly, you know, it's, I, what I look for, I would think is no different than what an agency is going to look for in a designer. Mm. Um, I want the best design talent. Um, and you know, I, I want to build a phenomenal design studio. It just happens to be that we're within Australia post. So, um, it's no different in terms of the skill set that, that is, you know, you need to work here. I think, um, and, and even in client management is still there, you know, you have clients, they're just internal clients and, and, you know, what the other, the other big thing, and I think, again, this applies to whether you're working for an agency or in, in, internally is you, how do you frame, how do you frame what the issue is? How do you kind of really make sure you're clear on what your criteria is and what you're designing? And then, you know, having a design process that supports good design, being able to be generated, which means, you know, how do you frame the problem? How do you, you know, set up the right kind of way that you get feedback and, 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 you know, from whoever you're designing for. And, and there's just, and that, and that was a point I kind of wanted to make earlier, which is that you need to be able to sell your design and, you know, how you, how you voice what's important and what, how do you want to evaluate something is, is a, is a design skill 
that I think you know you need you need again whether you're at an agency or at, or internally. Um, so you know it's just that I think perhaps internally, a lot of times you're you're helping also kind of contribute and guide the outcome, and you have a little bit more of a say, but you still have to sell and influence that idea in because ultimately you need other champions for that. So it was I kind of went a little bit off, but essentially really looking for a designer who can. Um, articulate their thoughts, defend their thinking, and uh, make something that people want to use. I mean, how do you, I just want to pick up an earlier point that you made. How do you think the other people within the organization look at you or see you as a designer? Uh, do you think it's a different way that then they would look at an external design studio? Yeah, I, well, it's interesting because at Australia Post, they haven't really. Um, you know, really had that kind of design studio here before. So I think, you know, there's a little bit of a learning curve is how, you know, how we work and, and, and what we can do. But Those designers are just going out for coffee again or playing foosball or something. <laughs> you know, it's so fascinating because, you know, on one hand, you have to create a, a sense. Yeah, Designers need a certain environment, I think, to be successful. We're makers. I like and it's actually very similar to the to the development team who have to program and build, right? We have to kind of share and work together and imagine and um and we need a we need a way that you know that that encourages that. You know, we can't we, we it you know just expecting us to function and work, let's say like an accountant, it's not going to get you the outcome that you want. So we do need a way that we have that community internally and that and that and that we're supported you know, and, and, um, and valued, right? So I think that's one of the reasons why I love working in Australia Post is we're really valued um, and given that kind of support. I think in terms of then working with the rest of the organization, you know, that's a process by which, you know, you start to collaborate with them, you, you know, you start to sh- share ideas with them and, and, and I think that, and people, start, and then you start to generate good work and then people realize that you are a capability and that you, and then they start pulling you in and they start wanting you to um, contribute more to other things that they're doing. Right. And, and, and so some of it's building relationships and, and also really listening because I think a lot of times there's, and, and this is actually sometimes a pet peeve I have is, is you, you kind of have the designer or an agency who kind of says, we know better. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, I'm a firm believer that, you know, you, you know, yes, you know design, but your client is the business. So how do you, re- how can you really be open to feedback and really hear what people are saying and really work with them to help them, you know, meet their goals? And the more that you can do that, the more trust you build. And then essentially you really change people's understanding of how design can add value, if that makes any sense. So there's a little bit of a, a, a learning curve. And I think some of it's just you demonstrate by doing and then some of it is you kind of go out and you do a little education and you talk a little about what you're doing and you know and then people start thinking of you as uh, really being able to, to help them design much bigger things or think about other problems and you know not just painting pretty pictures anymore oh, what a perfect answer now I'm going to just shift gears a little bit because I noticed something on your LinkedIn profile uh, which says you're, you're a a patent owner for, let me get this right, a weight control system. Is that right? You, you as the inventor? Yeah. So that, I'm not the sole inventor, mind you. I'm one of many. Um, so 
I, when I was working in New York, uh, I was working for a digital agency and got the opportunity to uh, go over and join a startup, which was WeightWatchers.com. And it was the first, they actually spun them off as a separate company. And I was the 12th person that was hired. It's so funny to think of Weight Watchers as a startup. I mean, it's an institution. It's been around forever. It's been around forever. And I mean, they had this amazing network and, and this franchise business and this great intellectual property around the point system, but they had absolutely no online presence other than go here to find a meeting, you know? Right. Everything, you know, this is, you know, 2000. And so, and I think the, the company was started in 99. And so then I was a 12th person hired as the creative director with the remit to build out a creative team and launch a subscription site in 10 months. Um, and it was already a little bit underway. And essentially we ended up designing a subscription site by which you could essentially sign up online um, access all the entire point system, track how you were doing, get recipes, um, build your own recipes. And it's just all these crazy applications which allowed you to essentially follow the program without, you know, having to actually go to a physical location. And so we ended up, you know, reaching a whole new market segment of men who wouldn't want to go to a non, you know, a physical meeting. Um, and, you know, and just other people, who, <laughs> That's you, know, so interesting. you know, and, and, and really it was their first, it was the first subscription product. Um, it was the first set of applications. And so that's um, how we got on the patent. The whole subscription thing. I mean, it really only feels like it's starting to hit Australia now or in the last couple of years. I mean, it's huge in the States these days. Yeah. And well, hey, we just got Netflix the other day. So <laughs> <laughs> bear with us. Yeah, it's Australia, not Narnia. Come on, let's, let's, let's get everything a little bit quicker. It's on its way. Yeah. I mean, did you, I mean, this is back in 2000, so there wasn't really, was there a target market for the really health conscious, you know, what we're seeing now with wearable technology and people, you know, looking at their sleep cycles and what have you? Well, I think, I think the need was there, just the technology wasn't there. You know, it wasn't, you know, the ability to kind of um, connect and, and then get you know, I mean, gosh, we didn't even have broadband back in 2000, really. And, you know, it was like watching movies online. What's that? And so, <laughs> you know, the world is, it's just so, it's so different and so much more interconnected that I think the fact, you know, it's interesting to me also because when I was in graduate school, you know, between 2004 and 07, you know, the work, there were, there was work being done around wearables and there was work, you know, the technology was happening and it was be, being enabled, but now it's just so, so much more widely enabled. And this goes back to, I think, something we had chatted about, you know, yesterday, which was really around content, which is now you have all these different devices and they're enabling data and content to to essentially kind of move between them and so it's no it's it's not really about the device it's more about the device as an enabler for you to you know get the content and the information to you and it's relevant so wearable just seems like another part of that system so the big question is are you going to get an apple watch yes i am going to get an apple watch we're actually working on that as well for our australia post Oh, how, cool. gonna, how, how we'll live on that Apple Watch. So definitely. It's a funny thing because uh, I, I'm a Russell Brand watcher and I, he's been quite vocal against the Apple Watch at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm still going to get one, uh, but I think um, I, I'm just really interested in this idea of the, you know, the quantified self. What, you know, what are we going to do with all this data 
that that when once we have it we can really start tracking ourselves and yeah we've had it for we've had it for years but now it's just apple branded so i know, I know i'm there exactly. i'm a sucker <laughs> i did have the nike i had the nike nike one for nike a while i really yeah. enjoyed that until pretty much i took it off pretty much the day they announced the apple watch really? <laughs> i know i'm such a sook um but i think i think we should probably start winding things yeah. down yeah thank you so much amy it's been so interesting Oh, you're welcome. But um, we were going to ask you as well. So as you know, um, for our next guest, we'd like you to ask a question. And so the question, we'd like you to ask a question of the week. Um, so we'll throw this question out um, in our show notes to the audience as well if they want to jump in. Um, but we'll also ask our next guest um, the question that you have. So do you have a question for us? Yes. So I kind of crowdsourced this question with my design team. <laughs> nice. Perfect. Um, <laughs> and then yeah, we came up with a doozy. So I, I apologize in advance um, to the next guest, which is the question was, what's wrong with design today? That's great. <laughs> That's so heavy. That's such a heavy question. Such a heavy question. <laughs> Great. I feel like you wrote that down with a red pen. (laughs) (laughs) What's wrong with design today? That's fantastic. Okay. Um, So we'd like to thank you, our listeners, for listening to Australian Design Radio. But uh, before we leave, let's go around the table. And uh, Matt, where can people find you after the show? You can find me at Leechworth. That's L-E-A-C-H-W-O-R-T-H. LinkedIn, obviously. And Instagram is Matt underscore leech l-e-a-c-h cool and the good leech not the bad leech um and amy where can people find you after this if they'd like to get in touch they can find me on linkedin at amy shepherd or on twitter at amy b shepherd like boy or beth is which is my middle name so amy b shepherd on twitter or you can go to amyshepherd.com and find me that way and just if anyone's googling amy shepherd you are not the blue haired singer no have you discovered your doppelganger no. <laughs> really? You don't Google yourself every day like not, us, Not every you? day. I've seen other Amy Shepherds, but no, I, with two Ps, A-R-D. And you can find me at uh, flyntracy.com and on Twitter at flyntracy. You can find this episode and more at australiandesignradio.simplecast.fm and you can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at AUSdesignradio. If you have any suggestions for topics, guests, or you have a question you'd really like us to ask on the show or just want to reach out, we'd love to hear from you. So you can email us at matt or flynn at australiandesignradio.com. Until then, thanks for listening to Australian Design Radio. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Amy. Thank you.